Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by Angie, Estimate Rocket, and Paint Supply. Welcome to Paint Ed. My name is Torlando. I am your host. So good to be with you guys today. I've got a very exciting guest. Um, we're going to be talking about pricing and selling work. I've got Mr. John Bryant from Paint Scout on, um, a, a software company that has been, um, you know, people are loving this thing. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. What's really got me excited is the fact that before this call, me and John spent probably over an hour debating um, methodologies and, uh, and, and, you know, systems of estimating and pricing. And um, he's, he and I are going to be on a panel at the expo, which is uh, coming up at the end of the month here, just just a couple weeks away. And uh, down in Orlando, if you haven't got your tickets yet, um, dude, just impulse impulse purchase, buy it, just pull the trigger, come on down, uh, you know, get it, get it, get it in order. And he and I are going to be on a panel. Um, Zach Kenny's going to be on that panel, and Nick Slavic is going to be moderating it. And we're going to be talking all about estimating. And uh, I think it's going to be really interesting because when I think about the spread of people that are on there, so, you know, everybody knows Nick Slavic, okay? He's, he's got, you know, great systems in place. Zach Kenny is one who does exceptionally high-end work. And so his metrics of, you know, what work is priced at and what it's valued at is on a totally different plane than most of us simpletons, you know, doing, uh, you know, regular people homes. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he does some regular jobs, but, uh, you know, I'm just really excited. And John, um, having, uh, both a family business in painting and running the estimating software paint scout has a, a, a clear view into not just what his family business is doing, but what hundreds of companies are doing. And, um, and I, and I hope I didn't sell that short. It could be thousands. I don't know. He's tight-lipped about that stuff. Uh, so I'm really excited. Now, if you want to listen to this episode uh, again, or if you if you haven't subscribed to our uh, podcast channel on um, Spotify or, um, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, um, SoundCloud, make sure you do that. You can also watch this uh, video of this on PCA Overdrive where you'll get 600 hours of video content, $5.99 a month for non-members and free with your PCA membership. All right, we don't have a lot of time, so we're gonna jump right into this. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Mr. John Bryant to the show. Hey, John, welcome Orlando. to Pain Ed. Hey, thanks, man, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, um, I, you know, I think the context of this, of this show um, you know, I think it's definitely going to be influenced by our backstage conversation, but I think the real issue that people have who are listeners of the show is, uh, is, is the unpredictability when it comes to estimating, putting a price, competing with other people. 
this time of year, um, you know, we're in a supply and demand business here, very elastic pricing. Uh, when the supply goes up, um, the price competitiveness kind of gets out of control. It's maybe a little bit easier to get the prices that we need in the summertime, but now it's a little bit tricky. Um, so I, I have a feeling that we're going to kind of talk through this and gain some additional insight. But for the folks that are just like really kind of, um, you know, spinning their wheels and, and uh, you know, doing the WAG method out there, mm. you love, know, the WAG the, method. Oh, love the WAG method. Yeah. Lick the, lick the finger, stick it up. Uh -huh. you got. Stick yeah. it in the air. <laughs> Wild ass guess for those yeah. of you who don't know what yeah. WAG is. Um, where do we, where do we begin? Like what, what, when people, when you've met people who are even before they're ready for, for paint scout, I'm sure you mm -hmm. meet those people. Are they, you know, are they even ready? Like, well, how do we get ready for this? Absolutely. You know, and I think it's, um, like the way you've set this up is really, really true. And and I remember like, you know, back when we started 15 years ago. So like I started our business, you know, by myself, um, the story yeah. of how I got into it's kind of random, but figuring out how to price jobs um, and getting information that was at all helpful, near impossible. I remember right. going to the paint store, you know, talking to contractors I knew saying, Hey guys, how do we, how do I price this? And inevitably someone's like, ah, you know, it's a dollar 50 a square foot or it's, it's six dollars a square foot, or right. you know, you go, you you just figure out what the customer will pay, and then you you go like a dollar less than 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 that to get them excited. And, okay. and none of this, none of this resonates. I don't. Have you had this conversation with anyone before, Orlando? Like, do you remember what it was like to learn how to price? Yeah, I mean, I I, I had a guy basically tell me to go eat rocks. You know, like yeah, <laughs> yeah it's also me. super secretive, right? Like <laughs> everyone's protective. Like don't try to copy my pricing because then I might be out of business. Right. And so right. this problem, because it's secretive and because we are, are essentially out in the wild yeah, trying to figure this out, re results in an industry that's really fragmented in our pricing. Yeah. And it leaves a lot of people questioning. And so yeah. we got to, we got to find a way to, to help people. And, and that's what inspires me. So, yeah. Um, is there, is there a little bit of a danger in, um, you know, in that idea of like asking, cause if you, if you go to our, our, you know, our Facebook groups and stuff like that, where mm -hmm. uh, everybody's kind of tight lipped around pricing and, and to the degree mm -hmm. that some people are kind of rude about it, it's like, how yeah. dare you ask how, you know, I'm like, you need to figure out your own cost. Um, is there a danger to, um, you know, going based off of, you know, let's say the market or the perceived market rate? Oh yeah. Huge danger. Huge. Like, and the problem, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. We, we both have seen those posts on yeah. so many groups, like how much do I charge for this? And the issue at hand is that it's not about what the right price is. There's, there really is no right price. Right. You need to understand the why and the how behind your price to understand how you got there. Right. And that, that results in people looking for a price, but not understanding their business. And I think that's where those comments right. come from is like, you know, man, you got to understand your business before you understand your price, but people just don't know how to communicate it. Yeah. And so, yeah. and so like the first thing, you know, kind of to your question is like, when you, when you're in this place of trying to figure out how to price it, you got to align yourself with the system. Yeah. You got to start to understand the why and the how before you can even begin to give a price. Why is my price a thousand dollars for, you know, 40 hours of work? Well, that doesn't make any sense. Right. If it is like we need to, 
we need to break that back and to get a systemized approach that you can then start tweaking and start to understand whether you had success and and make better every single day that's what's so important and i think there's some methods that have been proven to be um through through the data that we have have been proven to be um ones that very successful companies have used and i think mm -hmm. it's worth digging into to say why does it work for them maybe there's something that can work for me yeah so so what are the different options for estimating styles you know i mean i, I know i have mine which you know i've talked about before the point mm -hmm. system it's a little bit different a little bit yeah, new yeah um yeah. but then you know you've got time material what are what are the different ones that we can choose from yeah so once you get past WEG, which is a method but not recommended uh, <laughs> yeah. then, you got, then you got swag have you heard of swag before no so that's a that's a smart wild ass guess okay so now, sure. now you've been burned <laughs> now you've been burned a couple times and you're like i gotta figure this out because yeah. i can't just guess anymore and i gotta be a little smarter yeah um then inevitably you run into projects where you don't know how to do them or they're outside mm -hmm. your scope the mm -hmm. smartness doesn't play play the same role anymore like if you're just doing you know 1000 square foot cookie cutter homes you might get pretty good at that right um but once you get into that systemized approach you've got uh you know we've all heard of square footage pricing mm -hmm. um is it of the floor, floor plan of the floor plan yeah what does that mean um, yeah you're not painting all, the floors hello you, no exactly so let's you know I'm, I'm always one to encourage people to steer clear of that method because it it starts to it snowball on you prices change things change this isn't right. like an industry standard rate and so right. you can do it it's possible but it offers just complexities that i don't think are helpful yeah so you've got that you've got time and materials great if you can encounter a customer who's cool with that but yeah. inevitably it's really hard to sell hard to sell really hard to yeah. sell people are like well how long is it going to take because i need to know yeah. and now and now we're into time <laughs> and okay. uh and production rates and i think you and i have talked a bit about you know point system versus time there's some similarities um there's going to be some issues with time time-based estimating but yeah. Um, and, and we got to tackle those in a few different ways, but there, um, that is one way that we've seen, um, uh, you know, major successful companies in the U S price their sure. jobs, I guess not even the U S worldwide so, at this point. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so how does that. this, yeah. So how does this differ from time and material? So time and material, you're telling the customer, Hey, look, let me at it. Let's see how long, <laughs> like, I don't know how long it'll take, but just let me at it and I'll just charge you my costs. Mm -hmm. And, um, the way this varies is that we're upfront assessing the time and we're saying, right. you know what, I'm not going to do time material. I know this is going to be this amount of time or to some extent. I mean, there is an art to this as well. It's not a complete mm -hmm. science, but we're going to be able to present a price to the customer. Yeah. And understand based off of some type of measurement. Exactly. The, so, but it's, but it's not the swag method or how, or no, it is, is not the swag method. No, no. <laughs> you got a little uh... smarter at predicting how much time it's going to take. This is true. Yeah. I mean, the, the the swag method is still a wild ass guess. Yeah. When you start to break things down at a time and have a system, um, what we've seen from contractors that do this is they're able to tweak the amount of time. They're able to tweak a number of variables and continually improve. Mm -hmm. And so, although maybe at the start, you feel like you're guessing over time, you start to have a more of a sense of what your team can produce and what you can do. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know, like, I mean, I'm super always up for learning from you, Torlando, because you are such a deep thinker on these things. 
And uh, I love to like your method is incredibly interesting for me to learn learn from. Mm-hmm. The the th- all I can speak from is my my experience of seeing this play out. So, um, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of it. So I mean, yeah. What do you well, think? what I what I appreciate because I I think some of our listeners are going to fully understand the context of our previous conversation. But mm-hmm. um, what what I I I I think that production may production rate based estimating is valuable because you are um, attempting to gather enough data to put together a a price based off of um, based off of measurements. So, you know, whether you're um, measuring the square footage of the walls mm-hmm. or the linear feet of the baseboards or the quantity of doors, and you're essentially taking, um, you know, those units of measurement and going to your crew and saying, okay, how long does it take you to, um, to paint these walls? And it's, and it's just a math problem, right? So you're, mm, totally. you're, you want to know how many square feet can you do per hour? And so you just take the square feet that it is divided by the number of hours that it takes, and that gives you a production rate for that person. Mm-hmm. Now, I think where the debate occurs is that most painting companies in the industry, they take the average of all of their people, and then they say, okay, so we have one person who did this room, they did 80 square feet in an hour. We had another person who did 60 square feet in an hour, and we had another person who did 120 square feet in an hour. And mm-hmm. so, you know, by doing the math, we know that the the uh, average on that is going to be, um, you know, 90 square feet per hour. Mm-hmm. So the, the pr- my fundamental problem with that is that you have three different people. None of their none of their production rates is 90 square feet per hour. One is no. 120, one is 80, one is 60. So that's my gripe with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like you actually have a pretty interesting way around it. My method is, of course, let's turn it on its head, convert all of the measurements into points and give mm-hmm. you know people a, a, a point per hour that they're able to do. Mm-hmm. But you, you enlighten me to a, a way around this problem that I, that I thought was, was uh, viable. You want to share that? Thank you for one. That's I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, so um, sorry, one second here. The yeah, man, it's dry up here in Canada. Um, So I think what you're discussing is is a really valid concern, which is that there's no such thing as an average time, right? Like, and if if everyone is average, we'd be talking about machine work, Right. right? And that's not what this is. And and painting is like, in a way, I mean, we're we're professional artists, like we're at scale artists, and so it's hard right. to figure out what, like, how to how to make that assessment. And so, what we've always done to tackle this, and, and the model that I've seen um, be successful is that we we give more time to people who are less, you know, uh, not up to less standard, skilled. Yeah, less skilled, less skilled. And the reason that's also the reason why they get paid less, right? And so, we're we're taking that. Um, that average also into account in our hourly rate. So you know, there's an average time that allow, like also aligns with the average hourly rate. And if we set somebody's wage lower than the average hourly rate, they technically get more time. Right. If somebody's wage is higher than the hourly rate, we're expecting them to go faster. And so sure. on, the, on the production level, we're, we're always trying to make our budgets work 
to the to the hour if you're using time. Obviously, mm-hmm. the, the, as we've talked about, there's a few ways to skin the cat here, so to speak. Yeah. But um, by doing that, you get to um, a consistent hourly production that should be reflective of the overall gross profit and net profit you're trying to make. Got it. Yeah, and, it. Uh, and so, that's kind of so, the Yeah, so if I could jump in here, yeah. uh, what, I, what I'm hearing is that basically we have to figure out, okay, if, if we're assessing that um, you know, the walls in this room are of a, a certain square foot. Let's say that the square footage of this room is um, 320 square feet. Make the math easy. Don't go hard on this here. I, it's so easy. <laughs> I just did a, I just did an eight by eight room with 10 foot walls. <laughs> good, that's, good. All right, all right. 320 square feet. It's very easy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so, so the idea is that, okay, if on average we're able to paint this room in four hours, mm-hmm. then that would give us a production rate of 320 80? divided by, yeah, that's right. 80. <laughs> I didn't, people could see my, my mind. Was working, so I got it. Nailed it. I'm used, uh, to, I'm used so, to the software here. You know. That's right. That's right. You need. Can we get a calculator out? Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, 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 eighty square feet per hour. Right. The hmm. idea is that the the people need to be able to do eighty square feet per hour, or that they, um, yeah, that this room needs to be done in four hours. Mm-hmm. And according to our estimating process, we're going to put that four hour timestamp on the on the line item probably in the work order Mm -hmm. and assume that based off of who is doing that job, some of them are going to be pretty close to that four hours. Some of them might be, might need more time. You got a a new person and in order for them to have the skill level, that's, you know, they, in order to get the quality, they need to take more time. And so they could be at 50% higher. So, Mm -hmm. so you could go, you know, you multiply that time by 1.5 and now they have six hours to do it mm-hmm. rather than the fours. Am, am I understanding That's that That's right? correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Okay. And so we can, you know, the way, the way I've seen this model before is that if you have an average hourly rate of say $25, that's for all of your team members added up, divided yeah. by the number of people, including carrying costs, whatever yeah. else. And somebody's getting paid $20 an hour. You can now see the percentage difference of time they have. I see. I see. Right. Okay. So you can start to measure that. And so somebody wants a raise, you can say, well, this is the production level we need to see from you in order to get there. Right. Um, right. And so that's, that's kind of the, the rough, you know, background math that we're doing. Um, and I think, you know, that, that model um, has been one that has been successful and not to say that it's the only way, it's just the one that I can speak to the most because right. we use it and we mm-hmm. also see it modeled through, um, you know, a, a majority of the high performing paint scout users. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that it's fair that there's um, evidence that, that it is working. Mm-hmm. I think that um, every industry can innovate um, mm-hmm. totally. and, 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 you Not know, wrong. break old systems, you know mm-hmm. um, but I, but for the purposes of this conversation, we don't have to dwell on, you know, my, my gripes with the model. Because right. you're right, many people are using this um, effectively. I think the pitfall, 
and and this is this is what you just the, what you're kind of solving for. Um, the pitfall is when you say, okay, this eight by eight room, you have four hours to do it, and you make that young guy try to get it done in four hours. Yeah, and they're paid too much anyway. Like you don't have the pay right, and mm -hmm. you try to force them to get it done in four hours, and they can't, and so it's sloppy. They say it's done, it's not done, mm -hmm. or you have somebody who could do that room in two and a half hours. And, you know, it, the, the work order says four hours and they get it done in four hours, but they're paid at a rate where they really did need to, to get it done in two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. And now your budgets are busted. Right. And well, I think totally. that's, yeah. that's where people get into trouble is because they don't connect or link the production rates to pay. Mm -hmm. And they're just, they, they just have to kind of take that extra step to break mm -hmm. it down by like, okay, what? What does this actually mean, right? Totally. And this is this is kind of comes back to my original point, which is that it's about the why and the how. Yeah. And so it, it completely aligns with what you're saying, right? Like we need metrics here to judge performance success as well as how to generate a price for a customer. Right. And so when we can get that balance right, we run profitable companies and we understand why. Yeah. We have discussions with our team members of what what a raise means, what the future means to them. And we understand why, why that's more valuable to the company. Yeah. And they can yeah. get sort of aligning with your, your pricing and, and production. And so um, that's for me, step one, hundred percent. Like when I talk to new people that are new to the industry who are struggling with it, it's align yourself with a method that shows you the, the why and the how, and just start using it. Yeah. Like start figuring it out, you know, get it, Get it to be something that by number 10 estimate, you feel super confident. Number one is going to feel weird. Yeah, for sure. I, th mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, the estimate, it, in order for it to be successful, it really has to be tied much more closely to the operations of the, of the company. Mm -hmm. and, and to the degree that I would even consider it an operations tool, as much as the work order is an operations tool, I sure. think the estimate is is a is a product of operations or at least it needs to the information that you get to provide the estimate is you know comes is derived from operations mm -hmm. however um you know production rates square foot per hour uh you know points per hour whatever however you do it translating that to the customer can get pretty confusing pretty fast um and and so how do we kind of translate this estimate this estimate into a productive sales tool yeah so i mean when when we're talking about price it can't go without selling right these two things are so inter interlocked right like you you may be the most expensive quote you may not be and that that estimate is something that we provided the customer as a, you know, a finish line, I think you're right. Like operationally, this is the goal. Let's agree on that. Right. Mr. And Mrs. Smith, like this is where we're getting to, um, as much detail as possible around what that means. We don't have questions at the end, but you got to pair this with a good sales system. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, you've got a proposal as a sales tool. You want to show your brand. You want to show your, uh, the things that make you unique and, the issue that we have <clears throat> in our whole industry is that people often believe we're a commodity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, painting, I got to get painting done. 
I'm just going to call three painters, the cheapest price and the one I hire. And, and so that, that takes salesmanship that takes, um, you know, being a professional in your approach. And it all starts with a good in-home sales process, I think. So setting up the customer, talking about their job, getting those details for the estimate, building some bond and rapport and moving yourself towards a position of, of differentiation. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that to me is what it's about. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with this to an extent, you know, I, I think that there are economic laws that they're, they're laws for a reason. No, no, mm -hmm. mind, no, no amount of getting rid of head trash or mindset is, is going to get around the idea that supply and demand matters and it, and, and it impacts things. Mm -hmm. There are also things that, you know, impact demand that aren't purely price. Mm -hmm. so, so brand reputation, familiarity, having used you in the past, um, uh, you know, advertising, um, the, the way that your uh, brand can actually represent the, the customer themselves, mm -hmm. you know, because, <clears throat> you know, I was having a conversation this morning with, uh, I was, I was out, uh, uh, you know, doing some networking with a, with a uh, flooring company, the owner of a, a flooring business. And, and he said that he gave my name to a property manager, but told him that I wasn't the company for him, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> you know, like, what, what? so he had, he has rentals and I don't, we don't do rentals. We just can't, we can't be priced completely. What he said though, he's like, you know, this, this company would definitely be somebody that would be more for your own house. So, so the, the distinction there is that this guy, the, 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 the property manager would probably know that he wouldn't want the same people painting his properties mm -hmm. coming into doing his own home. Right. right. So, so right. there's an element of that brand and that reputation of what it is that we actually offer that does separate us and, 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 you know, makes us less of a, of a commodity, but it is a, it is a general home service. So, so there is, there is co commoditization, you know, regardless of whether we, you know, want there to be or not. Hmm. Um, so, so how do we get that? So how do we align the, or how do we build a sales process that gives us the skills to ultimately convey that message to the customer? So there's a, there's a lot of a lot of ways to do it, but I think it starts with not showing up unprepared. Sorry, not showing. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> to to show up unprepared, I think, and just show up, look at the job maybe from like the doorway. Say it's an interior mm -hmm. job, and you're like, oh, this is. Th thanks for having me. Uh, I've got everything. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Right. You know, people buy for so many different types of reasons. And we need to figure out what they really want to buy, like what their driving force is for purchasing. And I think a lot of us don't have a system that actually focuses around the customer's needs, mm -hmm. asks the questions that they want to know, and allows for a really seamless conversation and facilitation of their job. We don't know if they've been burned in the past. Right. We don't know if they um, really care about the color. We don't know if they care about the staff in their home. And these are all differentiating features around our business compared to someone else's. Right. And so, and so I, I always like that in home process, um, you know, figuring out uh, whether you align with, you know, 
call it a Sandler sales method or mm-hmm. a bunch of other sales methods, these can help to really start to put you in a position to understand your customer and to sell them what they're looking for. Yeah. And I think, yeah. yeah. I've, uh, yeah, I've, I've experimented a lot over the years with, you know, implementing things, examining whether that's necessary, pulling back, you know, adding a presentation, doing the estimate in the house versus doing it later. Mm-hmm. Um, I've found that through, through most of those systems that I've implemented, that my closing ratio stays pretty, pretty, pretty close. Hmm. It's, t- it's typically, um, you know, around, I don't know, maybe around 60% over the course of the whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've done, um, yeah, I mean, when I first started in painting, it was, yeah, I'd go in with a notebook, a yellow pad, write down a bunch of chicken scratches, go home, work out the proposal, email it. Um, what I what I did notice is that ultimately going over the proposal with the customer, going over the price with the with the customer is much better and much more effective than just emailing it and hoping mm-hmm. that they look at it. Um, Absolutely. Definitely getting decision makers together improves. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if, if I can get the both decision makers there at the price discussion at the same time, the likelihood of them saying yes on the call dramatically goes up because they mm-hmm. don't because ha- they can just check with each other right there. They don't have to go back and talk to their you know spouse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell you what, I've used estimating softwares. I've um, I've used uh, I've I've created PDFs where I annotate them and 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 write on them on an iPad and and show them uh, and and just give them that. I've uh, you know, I've used spreadsheets. I've used a lot of different things. And as long as I'm talking about the price with them, mm-hmm. I, I've, my closing ratio hasn't really, um, you know, been impacted so much. I also found that presentations do help. You want to, mm-hmm. you want to be careful though, because the, if it's too scripted, it's just, it, it kind of becomes a boring sales job, but the, but that aspect of, you know, figuring out the right questions to ask and doing that at the right time up front really helps you i've I've found absolutely yeah i think um like what you're saying talking about price with the customer definitely a major factor and and it goes back to our first point of like having a system that allows you to get your price to talk about a cus with a customer on site Mm -hmm. and be confident with that whether it's like price banding or it's actually just like here's the price you want to go ahead with it um it's 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 really important yeah, let's yeah. share. Let's share um, sales sales process. You share yours, yeah. and I'll I'll share what the one that I'm using right now. Okay, I mean, yeah. So our process, um, you know, starts from the time of their call. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we're setting expectations. We're trying to um, qualify some customers out of the process, mm-hmm. asking what their priorities are. So we're setting that up at the time when they actually contact our company. We have someone mm-hmm. live who's actually taking those calls. Mm-hmm. Um, once we've done that, we're setting an appointment. Our, our, you know, our sales consultant or project consultant is going to call them pre, pre-meeting. They're going to walk through how the estimate's going to go, when they're going to be there, make sure it still works for the customer, and kind of touch on a few of the highlight points that they talked about at the point of call. Mm-hmm. Is, it, is this important to you? I just want to make sure. When they show up, they are going to um, 
kind of give a lay of the land of their process, mm-hmm. ensuring that it's it's following our our process and not the customers. And so we're going to ask specific questions about being okay with asking questions. You know, are you okay with this amount of time? Are you okay with X Y Z? So we're setting mm-hmm. that setting the stage for what's about to occur. Uh, letting them know that we're going to come back and talk with them after we've done our measurements. Okay. Once we've done that, we go and take our measurements, put our estimate together. Then we're sitting down and we're talking to the customer, getting their pain points, trying to understand the why behind their desire to purchase and, and paint mm-hmm. and um, present them the solution. Like, here's what you know we've come up with today. Here's your price. Here's how this looks and feels. If this, If we can meet these requirements, would you consider working with us? So you know, we're going to talk about this kind of at the end, but asking for the sale is just so important. Yeah. Um, if you don't do that, we're looking to set up, you know, what, what makes, makes sense as a next step for them. Um, Hey, today's not good to accept. Okay, great. What does that look like in the future? And then we're going to follow up. We're going to talk to them at the time we, we discussed and we set in our calendar and, uh, and get yeses and nos. So that's kind of it. Okay. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. That's cool. That, that, that sounds a lot like the process that I, used to follow okay um, and, and then what <laughs> and then and then what yeah so no it, it, yeah. no it was a good process um the the hang up on my part became when the jobs got really big so okay. so I'd, I'd end up being in the house for so long hmm. and um and then they and then we'd just like run out of time either i would run out of time or they would run out of time and they'd be like, I got to go pick up my kids. Mm. You know, you've been here for an hour and a half in this huge house, right? Dude, so you, need, you need paint scope to Orlando. Oh, is that right? Okay, <laughs> yeah, a little no. plug there. Okay. <laughs> so so that was so that was one of the hangups. The other hangup is that if I if I arrived, even though my prepositioning emails and and it, it requested a very very clear that we want everybody who has an opinion on price and color to be there. Uh, still not getting both decision makers there, and and because the closing ratio drops off so so steeply when there's not a decision making there, I was like, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna do this when there's decision makers. We're just gonna have to if they're not there, we're rescheduling to go over. I'm not gonna continue with the uh, you know onsite thing. Well, so that was kind of my like the catalyst for me going back to not doing pricing onsite. Because because I used to, I mean, I it's probably even in my book to do pricing on site. I used to be a huge, like on the spot price person. But now what I do, a lot of it's similar. Um, you get the call, schedule the appointment. I use a scheduling software, whether I whether I'm receiving the call, if I'm receiving the call, I still use my scheduling software because that starts a cadence of uh of you know pre-positioning emails. Mm-hmm. Um head to the job. I always send a text message before I go to let them know I'm on my way. Um, show up, I get a tour. And as we're, as we're getting a tour of the project, um, that's where I'm, you know, building some rapport, asking questions. I, I'm like you, I believe that asking questions, getting down to the core of why are they, why are they painting? What, um, what concerns do they have about the painting process? Have they had nightmare scenarios before that we can mm-hmm. help to avoid the, the issues? Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to uncover the things that they find as problems. But from a technical perspective, I'm also inspecting the home as I go through, and I'm a, I'm identifying the the uh, substrate issues. 
-hmm. because the more I can show a technical expertise, um, this is a demonstration of authority. Anytime I notice a, a blemish or a crack or anything, I talk about the process of how we get it done. Every time I, every time I see something, I'm like, this is stress crack. This is how we would fix this. Mm-hmm. You want our, your cabinets done? Okay, this is how we would paint them. This is the process. Because right. the thing is, is that like objections in sales come when there when there is fog, when there's too much fog to proceed, right? Mm-hmm. And so clear, like when you explain what to expect, it's like providing a, a rope that they can hang on to to get pulled through that fog. And it, it kind of removes the fog. So, so I do a lot of that while I'm there. Um, I like to carry an iPad with me because uh, I don't know what to do with my hands when I don't have one. <laughs> so it gets really, I'm just like, you know, I just do yeah. this all the, the whole time. So mm-hmm. the iPad helps me with that. Um, I also think it looks professional, but I also don't really need it. <laughs> at this right. Point. right. <laughs> so <laughs> what I do is uh, I say, okay, the, I've got the tour. I've got an idea of what you want. Next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take video of each of these rooms so that I can um, uh, have the documentation to, to put together a proposal. It's uh, it's it's not public. It's just internal. And then when my crew comes, they'll have video to, to see the scope of the work. Mm-hmm. And, and they're uh, generally cool with that. If they're not cool with that, I've found that the, that they're just weird people in general. And you just right. you wouldn't want to work with them. So um, so I go through, I take video of everything. My estimating process is the, with the point system, it's very doable for me to do the video to do the estimate from the video actually without taking measurements. Um, It's still accurate. And I've also found that getting the practice doing that means that when I get a virtual estimate in and and somebody sends me video, it's it's really easy to put a price tag on it. So I take the video and I say, okay, I've got everything that I need and I'm gonna go put together a proposal. Um, What I would like to do is set up a time for us to go over this proposal Mm -hmm. and we'll do it via video. And mm-hmm. so we set up the appointment right there mm-hmm. and I make sure that it's a time that both of their, uh, like both decision makers can be there. Is there mm-hmm. a time that you and your husband can both be on this call? Or is there a time that you and your wife can both be on this call? It's important that you guys are there and I'll present it. We'll talk about different options like paint products, surface prep. I, I introduced the PCA industry standards into that, the mm-hmm. prep levels. And I really customize that bid. And, and that way it's a much shorter meeting and we've been, a, we're able to spend most of our time on the actual like rapport building and sales process right. rather than me just calculating things and, and doing technical stuff. Yeah. So we, we sort of go back for the proposal meeting review. And if they're there, uh, like you said, I, 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 I'm not like that. I haven't been that distinct about like, let me get a yes or a no. I think I'm going to, do that. And I want to hear more about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually if they're both there, I can get a yes or a think about it, which might as well be a no. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I but think, tell um, me about this like that, but it sounds like the yes and no thing is important, right? It's very, it's very important. <clears throat> it's important from a sales reps point of view as well. Um, because our job is, as, as, as sales people is to help the person buy, I believe. Like I've heard it said that before. 
Yeah. We're not really a good salesperson. If you're trying to sell, the issue is that people people push back on that. Like we're used to bad experiences of salespeople, yeah, and totally. we know what to do. I'll think about. It. I'm not looking for anything, but here I am at Best Buy. No customer service person. Like I didn't come here for any reason. I just showed up. Um, so we lie to these. We well, lie to Best Buy. I, I go to Best Buy just you know when I'm feeling bad. You know, <laughs> right. I feel better. Right. Yeah. That, <laughs> all right. So maybe you you are you honest with them? I'm not looking. I just felt bad today. So yeah, I, I just was had a down day. I'm just I'm down yeah. in the dumps. I need to look at some flat screens that I can't afford yet. Yeah. Right. So that whole idea though of the yes and no is that we can come open handedly and say, look, here's the product we have. My agreement with you is like, we may not be the best fit and I need to understand that. Right. I need to own the fact that I only get whatever it is, 50, 60% of the jobs that I bid on. And if you're not a customer, that's okay. And actually I believe it because you need to make the choice that's best for you. And when you come in with that mentality, you end up facilitating such a better conversation. Right. If you can actually can not only say it, but be convicted of it, mm-hmm. you end up getting customers who are more happy. You end up selling more surprisingly mm-hmm. because you're having open, honest conversations. Like we have a safe word. The safe word's no, and I will yeah. leave, and I will not <laughs> pressure you, right? Yeah, and so, sure. and so that that for me has been was a game changer for our <clears throat> our sales process is to understand we're not here to close every job. Mm-hmm. And so let's not pretend we are like we're, we're here to facilitate a good experience for us to help you buy, for us to really care about what your needs are, not just ours. Yeah. And, um, and so we found that to be incredibly successful and our sales team is happier. We don't have, you know, people that are, uh, we don't have customers who feel uncomfortable. They'll get an estimate from us, not choose us and use us later. And that's fine. Because sure. we're developing long-term relationships, right? And every person is going to be a friend of ours forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's where that comes from. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. You know, I think, I think asking for the sale. Yeah, if you if you're doing anything where you are just sending the bid later, saying let me know what you think. You know that that kind of like passive language. Um, doesn't instigate the customer to make a choice. Right. And I think part of it is that you just need to know how quickly to move on because you, because you're not going to close every sale. You should get no. used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you should know that, that, you know, what your closing ratio is. And so, you know, yeah. if, if you're not getting it, I, that, that makes a lot of sense, but I feel like that level of authenticity in it and, and transparency about like, Hey, I know that we we close about half of the jobs, you know, half of the estimates that we do turn into customers. Mm-hmm. If it's not a good fit, I understand. Um, just let me know. I, I like that. I think that's I think that's honest. I don't I don't think it's pushy. Um, I, I I do th- I think it's pretty authentic. I, I like that. If done in the right way, I mean you can you can try to use this in a slimy way as well, which I don't suggest. But when right. you do it with authenticity, people know. Yeah. And so yeah. So yeah, I mean, kind of just to to recap all of this, um, just for for time, please, yeah. Um, you know, the three things. I mean, if you're struggling with this, find a sales process that works, a system that you feel comfortable with to understand the why and the how. Start to get better at your at home, in home sales process, mm-hmm. so you understand how to connect with your customers, 
how your company fits into the market. And, and like you said, at the end, you got to ask for the sale. This is what separates good salespeople from bad salespeople is figuring out how to ask in a comfortable way. Honestly, it's the hardest question. If you're hiring a sales rep and they're not asking for the sale, major indicator, they're not the right fit because that is where the rubber hits the road. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. All right, John, you want to tell us a little bit about paint scout? Yeah, sure. Uh, 30 seconds. Um, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we're, uh, we're estimating sales platform for, um, for painting contractors. Uh, we believe that there's a a place for us to try to create three, 300, uh, 3000, sorry, million dollar sales reps in the industry. And, uh, we're, we're just dedicated to that. Um, and so if you're looking to learn more about us, paintscout.com, great place to check us out. Um, and we've got a lot of educational material on this stuff as well. So great uh, <clears throat> on our website or at our podcast at uh, Price Sell Paint. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. You guys have been, um, you know, great industry partners of ours. And um, and and honestly, the people who who use Paint Scout, um, they they all say wonderful things about it. Um, I don't think I've I've seen one comment of a person who's like this this software sucks not not a single one so um (laughs) thanks so good work on that um and and you're gonna be at expo right absolutely man i'm gonna see you we're gonna see all the people we're gonna tell you a lot of great things and it's gonna be fun i mean it always is a good time so yeah yeah absolutely well thank you john for being on the show i i uh i love having you as a as a as a guest um let's let's make sure that we have you on again Thanks, Orlando. It's a pleasure, man. Love spending time with you. All right, later. Have it. All right, there we go. John Bryant with uh, with Paint Scout, uh, telling us, uh, uh, giving us some good knowledge on all of this uh, estimating and, and sales stuff. Um, you know, I think a, I think it comes. I think every business owner in the painting industry comes to a point where they have to decide: Am I more operations oriented or am I more sales oriented? And when you get to that point of knowing what you want out of your business, who you are, and you and you kind of leave the other stuff behind, you, you kind of separate the responsibilities and either delegate or team up with somebody can handle the stuff that you want to be doing, your life gets a lot better. You feel better about yourself. You have more fun. You're more excited. And and the truth is a lot of entrepreneurial folks um, have a a strong sales orientation. And so make sure that um, if that's you, just lean into it. You're going to be happy. Thank you so much to Pay Scout uh, and and John Bryant for being on. Thank you to the PCA for for producing this show. Make sure that you guys check them out. If you're not a member, become a member. Come to Expo. Until next time, um, my name is Torlando, and this is Paynet. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.